This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology culture and the digital age. This is episode number 10.5. I am Joe Darnell, and with me is the father of all technologies, Mr. Joshua Pfeiffer. <laughs> I'm a father of a lot of things, but I don't know about technology. Well, you are going to be tonight for this special episode. We're, we're all dads here, and we're going to be talking about our parenting skills in relation to technology and what we do with our children and their devices, our hardware, and how we brave the internet. With us tonight is also Mr. Jonathan Sampson off to my left, somewhere out there in Seattle land. Hey, Jonathan, how are you doing? Way over here. Hi. I'm doing well. It's it's really far off to your left. Uh, yeah, we're over here. It's 6.20 my time, and it's getting pretty late over there with you guys, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it is uh, 9.22, and I like to record Tectonic at night because I think of it as a, a nocturnal podcast. I like to listen to it after dark. And that's what I hope all of our listeners are doing. They uh, cuddle up with their, you know, their wives and they put their headphones on and they listen to, te- 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 to Tectonic in bed as they lull themselves to sleep. <laughs> they would put my wife to sleep, I'm sure. Start a beatbox and they'd be like, Tectonic. So, Jonathan, what's new with you? We had you on episode four. Last time we spoke to you, you were working on Project Spartan and making sure that websites had everything in order. It seemed very exciting in Microsoft. Yeah, it's it's a really, I guess, hard to believe. We're still doing a lot of the same stuff because we're coming up to RTM, which is a really exciting time where we're basically freezing the bits and we're sending those off um, so that people can start to put those on laptops and stuff like that and then ship those laptops across seas and, and uh, get them here uh, you know, in time for people to purchase for you know the end of the year and school years and stuff like that. So right now we're you know working furiously to make sure you know, every doorknob is polished and, and every nook and cranny is taken care of. And so I, uh, you know, some of the people that might follow me on Twitter will notice that I've, I've been working many days, day and night, uh, you know, triaging bugs and uh, kind of acting as a general conduit back into the development team here on the uh, Microsoft Edge and Internet Explorer teams. Mm. What Do you have any kind of official release date in the works yet? Do you all have a deadline you're working towards for 2015? We actually don't have a... You know, Microsoft, the Windows itself has a deadline. You know, July 29th is like the end. That's when everything is done. That's when Windows 10 is, is available. Um, that's when, you know, Windows 7 developer or Windows 7 users and Windows 8.1 users um, will be able to get their free upgrade to Windows 10. That's kind of the big date that's in our future right now. But we're all continuing to move forward and feature planning and development on Microsoft Edge, uh, you know, for the next cycles after that. Uh, as we are working with this fundamentally new app model for Microsoft Edge, you know, we're going to be able to deliver updates more quickly and stuff. So right now we're already working on new features and functionality that will be rolling out in the future sometime after uh, July 29th. And so we're, we're already, you know, nose back to the millstone working on uh, the next stuff. I'm already filing feature requests on behalf of users for Windows 10 post the July 29th uh, release. So that in the future, as Windows itself you know, continues to evolve, the ideas that people have for us that they're relaying back to us on Twitter are already getting in front of the feature and app design team so that we can consider putting this stuff into future builds and releases. Well, you know, we were going to talk about browser issues a little bit today because Safari and Google Chrome are two of my favorite browsers. Every now and then, I wonder what is going on with Windows and what it must be like to be in IE. It's like a foreign country I'd like to visit sometimes. 
but I, I haven't got a Windows. No, no, you don't. You don't no. But well, I would like to. No, I, I, I don't Joshua? actually hate IE, but I, I have to at work use like a very old version of IE, and so nothing works ever, and it's just, so that's like tainted me forever. But Joshua, uh, you have to go back and listen to episode four of Tectonic, where Jonathan explained the history of the Internet Explorer web browser, and why it came out that way, and where it's going now. And it seems to be like it's a better idea. It's in a better place. In Joshua's defense, uh, I, I will say that, you know, many of the Internet Explorer versions that we lament today, uh, we're lamenting them because they're still around today. Uh, for instance, when IE8 came out, it had the broadest and, and best support of CSS2 and 2.1 of any browser of its time. But the, the world continued to move forward, and we started to adopt CSS3 and stuff, um, and and IE8 just kind of persisted. And, and to this day, it's still the number one browser that developers are asking questions about on Stack Overflow because you know, corporations and stuff locked down on this. They started building internal applications that relied on that particular version. That's what makes IE a really uh, kind of a bummer. And so that's why we are so excited to, to move it off to the back seat and, and focus our efforts and attention on a fundamentally new browser that, that is, is really never going to be weighted down like IE was and become <laughs> the, the bane of our existence like IE has. <laughs> so I, I can definitely, uh, uh, you know, sympathize there with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, with the the host well it's a mixture of uh for a while we had seven until like i think very recently we had we upgraded to eight and uh so it's that coupled with a really bad network and filter and so it's this whole conglomeration of uh internet hell so yeah that's my experience i, I will say this uh if you have a hard reliance on ie8 everyone should you know go out and google with being the term enterprise mode for internet explorer because we actually took a lot of our efforts and we invested in a high fidelity uh, emulation of IE8 inside IE11. So we actually, we had, I think, something about a dozen massive companies come out to Microsoft and they brought their internet applications. And we were trying to see like how many of these people can we, or how many of these corporations rather, can we get onto a newer version of Internet Explorer? Hmm. Because they're all using this like super old 15 year old version or something. And they're doing so because they need the features, they need the, the bugs sometimes that existed in that particular browser. And uh, we we found that actually 100% of their cases were solved with uh, enterprise mode, which again is just a high fidelity emulation of IE8 inside IE11. So you get all the security and speed updates of a modern operating system and a modern browser, but you still get that that reliability of the the antiquated environment that your internet applications just happen to require. And so it, it's actually pretty impressive how well that's been doing. I know this sounds like a, a, a product pitch, but it's not. I'm, <laughs> I'm like genuinely blown away by uh, that particular team. It's a separate team than what I work on, and they've just blown me away. I wouldn't have you on my show, Jonathan, if I thought you were just going to give me product pitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely not here for that. I, I will speak with absolute sincerity and the and the genuineness. <laughs> and speaking of product pitches, we'll move on to one of the side topics I wanted to bring up on episode 10.5. We have uh, two main, t- well, one main topic. So let's rush through this one quickly. Um, the iPod Touch got updated today, new releases. It comes in new colors with new internal hardware that rivals the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. And if you're not familiar with the iPod Touches, I don't blame you because it's been a few years since Apple cared to update these iPods. And there's a lot of newer users that are new to the Apple community 
that really don't know much about iPods. They just regard them as the the music players, app, those those Apple music players, right? I hear about this uh, in the gym when people are looking for something to just play their streaming music and uh, use their fancy new Beats Bluetooth headphones. What do y'all guys think? Is there a place for iPod touches in a world that's basically full up of smartphones and other ways to just get your streaming services? I, I don't know, even via your watch and your tablet and everything these days. Where where would a an iPod of any kind fit into your family's home? Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, the very first gift I ever purchased for my wife was an iPod Touch. Soon after that, whenever the iPhones actually came out, I got her one of those. And today, she and I are both iPhone users. I I honestly don't, don't, I don't see the practical purpose of an iPod Touch. And maybe that makes me weird, but it's like I already have this device in my hand and in my pocket that streams music. You know, I, I have massive amounts of storage on. What do you use for um, your music collection, Jonathan? I, I just use iTunes. Uh, okay. That's my iPhone. So, like, I actually, I don't really transfer files or anything back and forth. I purchase songs uh, from iTunes as I'm listening to them on the radio and stuff. And, uh, yeah, like, maybe I'm just a simple kind of guy, but that's always worked really well for me. And I've, I've not really felt like I've been lacking anything. No, it's it may, it's very sensible. Well, it's interesting. I'm not sure how you know. I, I'm not sure the future of it because, especially with the with the push with Apple Music, like we talked about last week, they're they're really pushing towards the streaming uh, end. And how are you going to do that if you don't have Wi-Fi? You know, you're going to have this iPod Touch with 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 no music on it. I guess you could sync up some, but uh, um, I think they need to rebrand it. You know, re, re, rebrand it to an iPad. Uh, uh, mini or, or my, uh, nano rather, yeah, iPod nano or iPad nano, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it, it's it's more of an iPad than it's an iPod. So I don't know. It, I, the only only way I could see buying one is maybe for kids. You know, they've we've bought an iPad mini and they broke it. So this would be something smaller, uh, would weigh less, so the screen might break less if they when they drop it. Uh, that's pretty much the only use case I can think of for my family. Mm. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, and if we were the kind of family that could just throw money around and have whatever we want in the home, I could see a place for an iPod if we wanted a device that was a little less intrusive than an iPad can be. You see like a couple of kids fighting over an iPad. They start throwing the iPad around the room and it's like, no kids, okay, no more iPad for the rest of the day. <laughs> but if uh, if a child wants to toss the iPod touch across the couch, then it's not the end of the world depending on how it lands because <laughs> you can get a solid case on that thing. It only costs $200. The likelihood that it's going to incur damage is less than the damage on an iPad. Right. And then if it is broken then it costs much less to replace than something like an iPad. So in terms of price point, it could be the economical way to go. But still, I just don't see that there is a large market anymore for iPods. And that's not a bad thing because Apple is still making their money elsewhere. Good for them. They can go make bukus of money with iPhones. But for those people, I was thinking about this. I think the people who would want an iPod Touch these days are those that fiercely are stuck in the camp that they want a cheap, dumb phone. And they would love to have apps, but they don't want the the monthly bill from an expensive smartphone. So if that's the way they're going to go, maybe they're willing to have two devices in their backpacks or in their purses. Yeah. And then the other group of people 
who might be attracted to any kind of iPod these days, and probably more so the Shuffle or the Nano than the Touch, are the people that want to use it at the gym. And, and, and actually, my coach at the gym was just asking me about this the other day. He wondered if there were any iPods that can connect oh, via Bluetooth. And I was like, um, well, uh, the, you know, I think that the Nano can. I'm not sure about the, the touch. But then I started to think about it. And I was like, honestly, I can't tell you one way or the other because it's been a few years. Mm-hmm. And I think that the most ideal scenario for someone at the gym would be if they had one playlist with a couple dozen songs on a shuffle that they could connect via Bluetooth over Beats headphones or something like that. And it's very small tech. It's it's easier to maintain that kind of hardware hardware while you're exercising. So I could see that being a good product for the future. It's just uh, I don't think that the iPod Shuffle can do that today. We actually still have the first iPod Touch that I purchased for my wife. We still have that. And uh, my son plays with it, and it's actually really convenient because it has no external speaker either. And so whatever he's watching or listening to is like there's no possible way for it uh, kind of adding noise pollution to the room or anything. But uh, I, I could totally see it. I, I'm actually uh, holding out for – I have a, a test device at, at the office that's running uh, Windows 10 on a, uh, a phone. And so once that actually comes out, I'll probably be switching to a phone that supports Windows 10. And I could possibly see in that scenario – I'm, I may want to get, you know, an, an iPod or, an, you know, the, one of the smaller devices from Apple for uh, playing a lot of my music because I still have quite a bit of investment in music in iTunes. And so I, I would still like to have something, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm already carrying one phone around, I don't think I want to carry anything remotely similar size to a cell phone. Well, I thought we would just mention that because it came out this week. And I think it has some indirect corollary to our main topic for today. Uh, this was something we wanted to talk about in episode four of Tectonic, and we didn't get to it because Jonathan had so many awesome things to talk about with his great career, his coding career, web development, what's going on at Microsoft, and I don't blame him. Those were all great things, and we'll have a link to that episode in our show notes for this episode if you missed it. If for now, we're just going to continue. This is like part two of episode four, if you <laughs> stick back and think about it. So Jonathan, the original discussion we had in mind was how do we manage technology with our children? And, you know, these days you've got two, I've got two. Joshua has both of us beat combined. Uh, He's got six. I'm curious because we have computers floating around. We have tablets. We have our wives' computers. How do we manage it all? So, yeah, I've got uh, six children and we've got just a bunch of technology. How do I manage it? I I have no idea. We've we've got a a Chromebook that I bought just sort of like this in the same line of thinking of the uh, the iPod uh, Touch, just this kind of cheapo little thing that the kids could play with. And if they break it, well, 200 bucks, you know, what are you going to do? And they pretty much use it to listen to music going to sleep. And sometimes they'll use it for some Netflix or something when they've got some friends over, but it pretty much doesn't get very much use got a couple iPads and the screens are all broken, but they're still usable. So I definitely moving forward, we might, we might go to the, to the iPad touch, get, get a few of those and get like the biggest cases with like the most protection ever. No, you said the iPad touch. You mean which one? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, iPod touch. Yeah. The iPod touch. What we just, just talked about. Okay. So, so yeah, if I, if I get like a couple of those versus like one big iPad Air, it would be about the same amount of money and I could give it to more children. So it's kind of more of a decentralized iOS device approach. So I might, I might go that route. 
And how do you manage your children's time on the Apple TV, where I should just say really television at all? I mean, all spectrums here. We're not just talking about computers, tablets, and uh, sure. you know, mm-hmm. lending them our iPhones, but technology in the home of any sort. It really is a good good question, and and we've probably waffled back and forth and, and changed our position and, and and things. Somewhat, we use it as a carrot and stick, you know, for behavior. You know, you're good, you get this; you're bad, you don't get that kind of thing. You know, we, we don't let them watch a whole lot of stuff. We just kind of use common sense. I read a couple articles about unlimited Minecraft time, and and so we've been experimenting with that, kind of letting them have free reign, and and it's not been too bad. They don't they don't go crazy on it, but. Uh, but they're building some pretty cool stuff. Really? So what's the idea behind that? What would support the idea of uninhibited time in Minecraft? Uh, I'll have to find the article. Maybe we could put it in the show notes. If I can, it's probably in my pocket somewhere. I, I, I honestly don't remember all of the main points right now, so I can't really talk very intelligently to it. But I mean, I guess the idea is 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 not to not to be, uh, I guess, obsessive about it and realize that they'll they'll work it out. You know, they're intelligent little creatures and they're not just going to become you know, mindless, you know, video game junkies, you know, they're going to use it intelligently. So it's you know, kind of like the, this unschooling approach. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but huh. no, no. Is that another idea or methodology we need to add a link to about in the show notes? It's, it's a homeschooling philosophy, unschooling, which is kind of, and I, I don't really follow it uh, and adhere to it, but it's this idea that, you know, you kind of let, you know, hands off and like let the child choose their own path and, and they'll discover all these great things. And it's an interesting philosophy. I don't necessarily agree with completely, but it has, I, I, I like some of the approach where it's not this, this top down heavy handed, you know, you must learn all five of these subjects every day, kind of like in a, in a traditional school setting. So I, we, we definitely like that approach, but maybe not to the extreme that some of the the unschoolers would would go to. Unschooler just sounds so negative. I don't know what that is supposed to mean. Jonathan, did you feel the same way? You know, we we actually, uh, I actually remember the first time I brought uh, Minecraft home. Um, I think it was December of last year or sometime. I I have to look at it because I remember tweeting it because my son and I, I think he was um, maybe four at the time. You know, we sat down and we played it for like six hours that night. And, uh, you know, I guess I didn't really bring it home. We just uh, downloaded it. You know, video games are so different nowadays. Um, so we downloaded it and we just played for like six hours at night. And, and I, I kind of resolved to say, you know, I, I don't really put a limit on the amount of time that he plays Minecraft either. But I, I do often tell him that today we're going to play Daddy's Rules only. And Daddy's Rules are we put it in creative mode and we can only build. You know, we're we're not going to fill the the world with uh, skeletons and stuff like that, and then just go after him. We're going to actually have to build something today. So we'll we'll say, okay, today we're going to build a castle, or today we're going to build a barn or a house, and this is all we can do today. We can use TNT to blow things up, but we actually have to only be building uh, or destructuring portions of the world. And those are uh, those are Daddy's rules, and and so we wind up playing that more often than not, and we'll sometimes you know, build a portal, drop into the uh, the nether or something like that and, and fight some gas. And, and that's about it. But yeah, I, I, you know, my son, since, uh, since he was able to sit up on his own, he's had an iPad in his lap, a laptop before him. And, and I still today, I encourage as much use of technology as I can. We find ways to, to utilize it to uh, kind of meet uh, more traditional ends. So we, we do a lot of his schooling on computers you know, I, I'm teaching him uh, here and there some JavaScript and programming. He's five, so he doesn't really get it, but I'm able to do the arithmetic at the very least. I can open up a, a console and we can do 
five plus five, three plus two, and and I can actually you know go through it with him and ask him, okay, if we put in two plus two, what is the answer going to be? And he can do the math in his head and and start to understand that technology is a tool to be utilized. It's not uh, some type of governor of our lives, but it's something that we should you know I guess for lack of a better word, you know, to nurture and take dominion over. You know, this is something that that we can really use in a positive way, and so we've we've not really put limitations on uh, his access to it either. There's all through the house, and we actually just uh, put a, a computer in his bedroom. So, oh wow, he's five now and has his own personal machine in his bedroom. Interesting. Now you so you said that he uses the computer for Minecraft and the a tablet as well, or just one or the other. No, he he's done some mine like we have Minecraft on just about every iPad that we have. Uh, we have Minecraft on my wife's iPhone, but we really do the vast majority of Minecraft playing on the Xbox. That's just uh, you know been a lot easier for him. The the computer when we went to uh, to Georgia for a couple of weeks just for a vacation, and we didn't have the Xbox One with us, and so uh, he you know was really kind of missing Minecraft. So we went ahead and downloaded it onto the computer, and the computer is just a, a totally different beast. You don't have the controller. Um, it, everything is keyboard driven. We didn't have a mouse. It was a laptop. And I really liked that because he was, he was compelled to, uh, to work past his frustrations. He's never really used a keyboard. He's, you know, was four at the time. And, uh, you know, he's, he's sitting down and he, he starts to realize, okay, like W, this makes me go forward and spacebar makes me jump and stuff. And, and this is all new to him. He's not used to this, you know, physical interaction with a machine like this, a, a keyboard. And so he's having to teach himself and, and develop a little bit of dexterity if he wants to play Minecraft. And uh, it was a, a kind of a, a nice little additional bonus um, there. You know, we, we just wanted to give him some time to play it, but he wanted to have to uh, kind of develop a bit more uh, familiarity with actual laptops and keyboards in order to do so because he's so used to the Xbox. That's one of the reasons we 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 only have the PC version. We don't we don't have it on uh, any other device because you know, they they have enough iOS you know touchscreen stuff. I wanted them to be more familiar with a normal you know normal computer and keyboard. So I had a similar thinking. And yeah, I mean, I just want them as familiar as possible because no matter what they do in the future, they're going to have to be you know technology's not going anywhere, and I want them to be as as spun up as they can on it. So. Mm-hmm. It's a, definitely a, a good way to prepare them for the future, no matter what the, that future might look like. My son, he's he's taken it all with line and sinker. He, his favorite place to go is Microsoft. I mean, we live five minutes down the road. Uh, we take him there. We go around. We look at some of the uh, mechanical artwork that they have. Um, I posted a video on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, uh, a Periscope video, actually, where I was standing in front of a, a mechanical wooden mirror. And so the, the, the mirror was made up of uh, a, a hundreds of wooden uh, tubes whose faces are cut at 45 degree angles and the tubes would rotate uh, along their axis to cause, you know, shade to block out light that's coming down from above um, or to reflect light that's coming down from above. And it was all driven by uh, a connect up on top of it. So it would see silhouettes of people and then reflect that by rotating these, you know, this wall of, uh, you know, wooden scales and, he just absolutely loves this stuff. And so every time we come across something like this in Microsoft, he just wants to stay there longer. He he tells me every week, I would say, I'm sure, uh, that, that he wants to work at Microsoft and and uh, he wants to read better so he can work at Microsoft. He wants to write better so he can work at Microsoft. And it's <laughs> it's been fun seeing him so excited about technology because uh, that, that's definitely it's going to be you know appropriate in the future because this stuff is it's not going away. 
Uh, if anything, it's, it's yeah. growing at an exponential rate. Yeah, hmm. my my year old son said the similar things, except it was Apple. Uh, he's like, yeah, I want to grow up and work at Apple. And I said, well, you know, you need to go to, go to college. He said, well, I don't want to go to college. I said, well, you're, you're, you're going to have to do that. So. Yeah, I had aspirations when I was younger. And then I thought, oh, I could settle for working at the Apple retail store. And then I saw how crazy busy those get. And I was like, uh, no, never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with my children, it's been one of those journeys that I, I thought would be so much simpler. When I was growing up, I heard a lot of other parents talking about how they were wrestling with how much technology to introduce to their children. I thought it was fairly straightforward. It would be simpler than it has turned out to be because I found that my children love the television computer, the iPads, and they'll spend a lot of time just digesting any kind of entertainment that they get their hands on. So I remember vividly this one day when it really got onto my nerves that my son wanted me to change back and forth from the Nintendo to the Apple TV to a Blu-ray player about six times all in the span of 30 minutes. And he didn't know how yet to use the remote control to switch from the internal inputs on his own. And I, I wrestled with that like, you know, dude, you, you need a better attention span. This is not good for your <laughs> development. You need to figure out what you're going to do and stick with it. Burn all of those lives. Use up all of your extra lives before we quit this game. Or if you started a, an episode of a cartoon, you, well, but doggone it, you're going to finish that cartoon before we turn on something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I've wrestled with some of these things because I, I have also seen along the way how it's been developing Lots of practical skills and also familiarity uh, with how devices work so that they understand basic principles of the mouse, menus, the how the hardware works, how the internet works. And that was one of the biggest undertakings of all was to explain the internet to the kids. They say, you know, you, th- you know, these movies, they're not on this television set. This is, this is Netflix. And Netflix is actually streaming to the television. Well, what is streaming, Daddy? You know, it's there are so many questions introduced along the way. And even if it was just about learning how the technology works, that'd be one thing. But it's not just about learning how the technology works. It's also about, you know, in, instilling some basic life skills and principles to govern yourself and to avoid the distractions of focus on the important things. Use the technology in its rightful place. Like you were saying earlier, Jonathan, that, uh, you know, technology offers a lot of brilliant utility. I think that you have discovered that to the fullest extent. And we get to enjoy the utility of, pod, you know, uh, technology just to produce a podcast. Mm-hmm. And this is work. This isn't, uh, it, is, it isn't, the machine doesn't spit this out for us, you know, completely free of uh, energy and input. So we have technical difficulties we have to overcome and we're always learning something new while we take on those challenges. So, so yeah, I, I see these kinds of things uh, just uh, burning into my mind. What, how am I going to govern um, the children and encourage them in the right directions? Maybe I need to take y'all's approach and just uh, to, to unleash them on Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, have a, uh, we have a PC server with a handful of trusted families. So if you... Uh, Get on the PC version. Uh, let me know, and uh, our kids can start Minecrafting together. So, so my my uh, my kids uh, met, met this family. They actually are out in Washington, I believe, and you know they're of course learning to type as well. That was another thing I wanted them to learn. Is is hey, if you want, they want them to read, write, you know, type. So they're chatting away with this family out in Washington. So my daughter starts making fun of my son that he's got this girlfriend now. So he he 
wants to put an end to this. And so he asks the girl online, like, are you my girlfriend? And she's, you know, all caps. Yes! Exclamation point. So my son's like, oh, I, I didn't actually, you know, want her to be my girlfriend, but now she is. Because <laughs> he was trying to tr- try to prove his sister wrong. But yeah, so now he's got a girlfriend at eight. So, <laughs> so, so Jonathan, uh, stepping away from the ethics uh, the, and the moral dilemmas of when we introduce our children to online dating, uh, how exactly did you grow up with technology and were you, how do you feel you were aware of the situation growing up with technology? How did you govern yourself? If you did govern yourself, use some self-control in the everyday, you know, how did you apply yourself to, uh, you know, how did you get to the point that you are the guy today that has somewhat figured out a methodology as to the proper place and use of technology and steering clear of the detriments. Like uh, it seems like you and I have this one thing in common that with our generation, for the most part, our parents didn't know how to help us along. The one thing they did know if, uh, if you had your parents around is they would tell you no more TV for today. You've watched too much TV. <laughs> so they'd tell you, they'd give you the threshold of how much, you know, much TV you had had and they'd take the remote from you. And, you know, hide it somewhere. And that's why it would always show up in the couch. But for it, the most part, when it came to computers, our parents didn't really have much guidance. They, they didn't really know how to recommend our uh, time and usage of it from day to day. So I'm just wondering thoughts. Uh, where did where did you uh, see uh, pitfalls and how did you develop your own course and steer clear of the pitfalls? Well, this was this, this whole chapter of my life was really late uh, in, in my childhood. So. I, I was actually raised um, in a pretty low-income, single-parent household, uh, and so we just didn't ever have a computer. We didn't ever have anything, you know, fun like that. And so I actually did a lot of like cowboys and Indians out in the backyard with sticks and stuff, and that was pretty much it. You know, we just ran around playing cops and robbers and stuff like that. I, I would say around high school, uh, when I was 15 or 16, is when we actually got a computer. And this was uh, the, around the time that, you know, we talked about the last uh, episode before, I believe, uh, LucasArts released Star Wars uh, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, and I wanted to get this game in play. So my mother uh, was able to procure a, a computer for us, and she did place limitations on it. She would not let us stay online for more than 15 minutes. But I don't know if this was, you know, her discernment over the childhood development or over the impact that this was having on my young mind, uh, so much as it was the fact that we had to pay per minute to be on the Internet. So, you know, this was uh, some competing uh, motivations there to to limit our time. But, yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever spent a whole lot of time thinking about this. You know, this has just been something where, you know, as soon as I got bit by the bug, you know, I, I, I just chased technology wherever I can. And I'm completely enthralled about, you know, where it's taken us today. And, and, you know, I'm working at Microsoft where, you know, we are developing the HoloLens and stuff. And I, I look at this new stuff and I think of, you know, unmanned cars that Google is building and everything. And I'm just completely blown away by the, the future and what it looks like. And I don't know that I really place any limitations on myself as far as how to use it or how frequently to use it. It's just, I've I've pretty much absorbed it, you know, wholly into me as just another extension of my biology, I guess. I don't know. No, and that makes sense. It's not necessarily a negative. That's something that I've been uh, trying to teach myself because I was raised with this idea that a lot of the 
devices in this world, like television, could be just an inherent cultural negative influence. Yeah. And that was something that was uh, taught to me early on. And over the years, I've had to uh, teach myself that that wasn't altogether what I believe. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the television. The real concern is, you know, is it getting in the way of the other things I really want to do with my time, my finite time on this earth? You know, there's nothing wrong with watching some TV at night to to just relax, but how much of it am I allowing to consume my time? Mm -hmm. So the same would also be applied to the computers. I think a lot of people will go into Facebook and forget about the, you know, there any sort of tracking of time before they realize it, they have spent 20 hours a week on a social network they really don't care about. Yes, they had some fun and maybe they had some laughs and maybe they were able to uh, rant and rave and blow some steam. But then they look at the the rest of their life and they're like, you know, I didn't get anything done this week besides work and Facebook mm-hmm. and uh, getting the gas and groceries. And that would be a rotten shame, but it's actually something that a lot of people live with. And I think that um, a little self-control can go a long way. But a lot of that has to be through self-discovery. And that is something that I picked up on. Like, I was always annoyed by how my brother, he always had a spotless bedroom, but then his (laughs) computer was a wreck. He would never manage his files. He never put anything where it belonged. And he could never find anything. It was so disgusting. His desktop would have hundreds of files, and I, I just could not work in that environment. And uh, mom and dad had no idea. But uh, my room was a wreck. My computer was spotless. And I was so proud of that. Anyway, it's just I, I know we all have um, different kinds of ticks, and we address different kinds of concerns, and not necessarily because of you know some sort of moral decision or responsibility. Again, I, I'm inspired by you guys because I think that y'all have come more naturally to the conclusion that, hey, here is a very productive use of your time on the device that you can also enjoy. You can uh, learn something, get some great skills, and it's something that we as a dad, can I can do with my kids. And that's great that you can actually spend some quality time together playing the games. Yep. You know, Again, I think like when we were kids, if you were playing video games as an adult, you were an outlier in the culture. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, dads and their children can play video games side by side. Mom joins in too. Just There isn't that stigma that video games are solely for the kids or for the cultural outliers. All right. Yeah, we've, we've found definitely numerous opportunities for my son and I to really have uh, a lot of father-son time inside Minecraft and everything. And, you know, just the, the you know, as well, a simple arithmetic, pattern matching, that type of stuff, basic, you know, skills that we learn as children that, you know, I may have used to learn it with physical puzzle pieces and, you know, cut out of a wooden block. My son is now, you know, learning it in an analogous fashion, but just in a different time and place. And, um, you know, he learns very quickly how to build an ender portal and stuff. And he understands that uh, in order to have a portal to the nether, it has to be, you know, four blocks tall, three blocks wide and such. And uh, where's that? Four and five. I'm, I, he would correct me at this point, but uh, you know, it's it, it's all analogous to the same things that I was learning when I was a child. It's just you know different uh, means by which he's learning the same stuff. Mm. Yeah, kind of what you're getting at, basically in, in summary, is just having you know wisdom as a parent to to have a little bit of balance, you know, and and realize that the, the child obviously needs human interaction too. They need real friends in real life. They need 
real outside play and, and not having an either or mentality. Like you either need to go outside because that's the good thing to, to, you know, to grow and, and limiting the, um, the computer stuff. So uh, it's just a, it, it takes a little bit of wisdom and, and if they do get a little bit too much computer zone out time. You can start to see it. You know, if, if you, if you're a good parent and you're watching your kid, you can kind of see their attitude change. So we kind of have to watch that sort of thing too. So, yeah, there, there was a, a, a video. I, I was a video or an interview with a woman. Um, actually it was a homeschool mother who founded something called Minecraft school, I think. And, uh, what she had realized is like, she, she was telling the story of her son who I believe was maybe eight or nine at the time and still was having trouble reading. He, he just wasn't picking this up. And uh, he would start to you know, play Minecraft at the house and everything. And he would play with his friends and they would send messages, I, I believe. Um, and he would ask his mom, you know, what is T-H-E? Uh, you know, what, what, what is this word? So he would read it out to her and she would tell him the words. And uh, after about a week or, go, or you know, week or so, she said that he just stopped calling on her to, uh, to you know, basically read things for him. And. And she asked him, like, you know, what what happened? Why don't you play with your friends anymore? You guys used to play and stuff. And he's like, oh, I, you know, I still play with them every day. I I just read it by myself now. And it's like, <laughs> you know, he he had this problem crossing the seemingly insurmountable chasm of of learning to read, and and it was only by means of something that truly excited him right. that that he was able to finally make this happen. Um, and so she she saw the real value in this, like, you know, it's it's it's. Maybe this is that unlearning thing. I don't know, you know, what exactly that refers to, but this is one of the things that appealed to us whenever we decided to homeschool our child is that we can teach him anything that he needs to learn in a, a method that is directly applicable to him and his interests. Mm. And uh, we've seen just enormous, you know, uh, growth in him as a result of that. And I'd be more than happy to try and find the uh, the interview with that mother as well because it's it, it's it's definitely the type of thing where. The technology is beautiful. It's wonderful. It, it's been used and abused so often in culture and the, in the world. But you know, in in I think under the guidance of uh, you know careful uh, you know parenting, it it is really a, a pretty majestic thing. Mm. Well, thank you guys. Uh, great discussion. I feel like there, we only scratched the surface. We'll probably need to return to this topic and talk a little bit more about what we would do with older children. I think we had uh, t- approached it very well for younger children. So. Till next time, Jonathan, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can check me out on Twitter at Jonathan Sampson, pretty much the, the main place to find me. Excellent. Thank you, Jonathan. I really love having you on the show, and we re- I miss our great conversations back here in Georgia. Yeah, it's definitely a pleasure. It's always fun to catch up with you guys. And Joshua, where can they find you? Joshua Pfeiffer on Twitter, but you know I don't use it that often, so say hi. Mm. You have your notifications turned on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you... Do something. If you tweet me, I'll I'll respond. How about that? Okay. Because <laughs> you're getting things done. You're setting the right example for your children. <laughs> Spending time on Facebook. <laughs> well, this completes episode 10.5 of Tectonic. Visit tectonic.fm slash 10-5 for the show notes and the links. If you want to connect with us, we are at Tectonic FM on Twitter. And send your feedback via email to hello at tectonic.fm. If you have any questions that you would like us to discuss on a future episode, go ahead and write to us with hashtag asktectonic in your message. If your message is too long, though, feel free to email us at hello at tectonic.fm. I am Joe Darnell, and you've been listening to Tectonic. Tectonic.